Happy Father's Day, all you dads out there. Um, hey, uh, uh, this past week we had uh, uh, VBS, and, and I don't know, you watched the video for Father's Day and you sort of realize that uh, kids say the craziest things, right? I mean, kids, kids can be crazy. So, uh, you know, one of the lessons that we were teaching was about Saul and David, how Saul was after David and angry with David, even though David didn't do anything wrong. And so we asked the kids, have you ever gotten into trouble for something you didn't do? And uh, I knelt down by Neam Murphy and I said, hey, Neam, have you ever gotten in trouble for something you didn't do? And Neam said, I have permission to say this. Neam said, my daddy spanks me for a multiplicity of reasons. <laughs> Woo! I tell you what, using the big words, big word, multiplicity. Woo! Um, you can tell he's getting a good education at home. That, uh, well, today we have a multiplicity of reasons for wishing all of you dads a happy Father's Day and to be grateful to our Heavenly Father. Uh, now, how many of you ever played a pickup game of basketball? Anybody? Anybody here? There are several hands in here. Uh, when I was younger, we would play almost every single day. We'd go down to the courts and we'd play. And when I was in college, we would, we would play for almost a couple, two or three hours a day. Uh, thus, maybe my grades would have been better. But hey, we're not going to go into that. But, you know, when you play with the same people all the time, these pickup basketball games, you sort of learn the skills of the other players. You know the ones who can shoot, you know the ones who can play defense, the ones that are good team players, the ones that are in good shape, and the ones that aren't so much in good shape, and you already know them. So when it comes time for picking the players and uh, you know going through the list, the team captains pretty much know who they want. Usually there's a real good player that whoever gets first pick, they're going to get that person. And then it goes down the line until you get to me and the last player uh, that's picked. And when the team is formed, you already have some expectation of the roles that each player is going to play. I mean, you have an idea about how you want to play against those other guys because you know them. You play with them all the time. So you want your best defender on their best shooter. Uh, you have a game plan in your head, but each player has to agree to their role, right? If the best defender decides he's just not going to play any defense, he's just going to want to play offense, then we got a problem. If your third best shooter is going to try to go down the court every time and take every shot, I mean, now we got a problem. So you choose the team, but the players have to choose to play and play the right way. You invite them to join your team if you're the captain, but they have to agree. Now, in our Core 52 lesson this week, Mark Moore taught us about the meaning of election or predestination. And there are different points of view about this topic in the Christian world. I have had discussions with a lot of people that I have great respect for. I consider them brothers and sisters in Christ. And they disagree with me on, on my point of view. But I think it is good for us to discuss this and respect each other, but also come to some conclusions that we can all agree on. 
The problem is that when we read some scriptures on the subject, the meaning of the words can cause some confusion. Our understanding of a passage is usually determined by what our theological belief already is. But Jesus told a parable that I think could help us figure out some things that we can agree on. Jesus wanted to be clear that uh, all are called, but few actually experience the feast that God has prepared. So for our big idea of the day, we need to respond to God's call so that everyone has a chance to respond to God's invitation. Because the invitation goes out to everyone, but God will use those who respond to then go and invite others. Now we turn to Matthew 22 for our text today, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who would be invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. And then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. Well, the king was enraged, and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite uh, to the banquet anyone you find. And so the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. I think this parable teaches us a few important lessons that we could uh, hope agree on. First of all, all are invited. All are given the option of attending. There might be different invitations, but ultimately, the invitation is for everyone. In the parable, there were some who were invited first. They were families that were known by the king, maybe other royalty, influential people, powerful, wealthy people that would have been part of the king's uh, party. Jesus, I believe, was speaking about the Jewish people in this, who are described as God's chosen people. But by the time Jesus came, most of the religious leaders had rejected God and they had persecuted God's prophets. And so the invitation went out to others who did not deserve or receive the first invitation. These were, again, according to the 
the Jewish people, the undeserving, those who had no royal standing. They weren't a part of God's family. This, of course, was the Gentiles who had served and worshipped pagan gods. In Scripture, you have two classes. You have the Jewish people, again, God's chosen people, the family of God, the children of Abraham. And then you have the other class, Gentiles, or sometimes called Greeks. So if you weren't Jewish, you were Gentile or Greek. In other words, pagan. Our Father has invited all to be a part of His team, His family, His banquet. The Jews found this hard to believe since they were God's chosen people. The Gentiles found it hard to believe because they had lived so far away from God. But the truth is that God invited them all. The heart of God is to love everyone. I mean, we found this out early on in our life as we were learning about the Bible. How many of you went to Bible school when you were growing up? Anybody? Did you go to vacation Bible school, anybody growing up? Uh, if you went to Sunday school... Many of you learned John 3.16, didn't you? How many of you learned John 3.16? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Who did God love? The world. Does it say, for God so loved the Jewish people? No. Does it say, for God so loved just a certain person? No. It says, God loved the world that whoever believes in Him. So God's love extends to everyone. And His love is on exhibit as He withholds the final judgment so that more and more people can come to repentance. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 we read, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but how many people? <laughs> Everyone to come to repentance. God isn't like picking here and picking there. He wants all people to come to repentance. Paul wrote Timothy and explained in 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants who? All people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants all people to be saved. That's the bottom line, okay? God doesn't care where you come from. He doesn't care what your background is. He doesn't care whether your family has been following God for all of the history of your family or not. How far away from God you have lived, He still invites you to the banquet. Remember in the parable, the good and the bad were invited. That probably isn't the way we deal with people, is it? I mean, we're not going to invite everybody over to the house for a cookout. Uh, I read this surprising story from the USA Today. Back, back in 2002, uh, the Republican Party was putting on a fundraiser uh, trying to raise money for President Bush's re-election. And uh, they happened to accidentally invite a, a prisoner in the Ohio penal system 
to come to this $2,500 a plate fundraising dinner in Washington, D.C. The invitation and a letter from Vice President Cheney went out to this guy named Robert Kirkpatrick at the Belmont Correctional Institute in Eastern Ohio. Now, at that time, the guy was 35 years old. He had been sentenced uh, the year previously to, to nearly three years for drug possession and escape. And this is what he had to say. I'm going to tell, tell him that I'd be happy to attend, <laughs> but he's going to have to pull some strings to get me there. <laughs> now, how often are uh, those who are down and out, those who are in prison, invited to that kind of a feast? I mean, we, that was an accident. Somebody blundered on that. But I'd say that doesn't happen very often. I mean, uh, maybe a lot less for a guy in prison, but how many of you ever been invited to a, well, I get things all the time asking me for money, but I don't get invited to the big feast, right? Uh, uh, so I read another story of an unlikely invitation. Uh, a girl named Katie Hosking was getting married. Twelve days before the wedding, she decides, I'm not getting married. Uh, along with her parents, they had reserved a country club for the reception. A uh, hundred and fifty invited guests at the cost of $6,200. Club policy was you had to uh, uh, give them notice 60 days out of cancellation. So they're on the hook, right? Um, so they weren't going to get out of this. So they decided that instead of just not having anything, I mean, they had to pay anyway, that they were going to have a party and, and they were going to do it right. So in place of wedding guests, uh, her parents invited the residents of the Interfaith Family Shelter to this country club banquet. So they had 50 close friends, not from the groom's side, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think they went. But 50 close family friends uh, joined along with 40 homeless people. And together they danced and they feasted upon barren of beef, salmon and shrimp cocktail and fettuccine and fruit. Uh, strawberry shortcake replaced the wedding cake. And afterwards they packed all the leftover food and sent it back to the shelter. I mean, it was enough to feed the homeless folks for several more days. And when it was all over, the almost bride, Katie, said, we had so much fun. Friends, you know, God has invited you to the greatest feast, the greatest banquet in the dining halls of heaven. Think about that. You are invited. Everyone is invited. But a response is required. Those who accepted the invitation were able to enter the banquet and enjoy the feast, enjoy the presence of the king, to be a part of such a great celebration. I mean, they were treated like royalty. But those who rejected the invitation did not enter the banquet. They did not have the same wonderful experience. And they had different reasons for rejecting it. Well, they were too busy. Some had to go out into the field or go back to their business rather than attend the wedding banquet and celebrate the king's son's wedding. 
So they showed little interest in the king or his son. Now, some just rejected the invitation and even attacked the servants who brought the invitation. I mean, they showed actual hatred towards the king. Not only did they turn the invitation down, but they were ruthless to the servants of the king. And then there were those who were disrespectful to the occasion. And even though they showed up, they were cast out. We read that little part about the guy that showed up without the wedding clothes. Well, culturally speaking, you would, you would dress up for such an occasion. And one came without those wedding clothes, and this was an affront to the king. The man disrespected the king by the way he dressed. He was cast out because though he responded to the invitation, he did not respect the king. I mean, he treated the king and his son as commoners. Now, our response to the invitation matters. What you do with that invitation matters. What I do matters. Jesus warned his disciples in Luke 13, 24, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. So we need to be careful We need to be sure. We need to enter through that narrow gate. We have to respond. The Hebrews writer taught that we must come to God with a sincere heart. Uh, In Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So when we accept the invitation, our motives must be right. Like Joshua, if you remember, as uh, Joshua brought the people into the promised land, uh, he set a challenge out to his people. We have to choose to serve God, not because we're forced to, but because we want to. You might remember in Joshua 24 and verse 15, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Joshua said to the people, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods uh, your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. There's a choice that we have to make. That is called responding to the invitation. Um, I think Joshua was being a good father here, saying that as for me and my house, we're going to choose to serve the Lord. And I think that's what good dads do. They set the precedent. They say, as for me, I'm going to choose to serve the Lord. All of you dads that are here, you make that choice. You set the example for your children and your grandchildren. That's a father making a good godly decision. If we put that in the wording of the parable, Joshua would have been saying, as for me and my house, we will accept that invitation, right? 
We will go to that banquet. We will celebrate with the king. And I think that's the choice that every dad here and every mom here and every family here needs to make. Now, before I share this next story, I need to give you a warning. If you have small children with you, you might want to consider taking them out for a moment because there's uh, a few words you might be uncomfortable having to explain to your children when this is over. And I don't want anybody coming to me and saying, man, why'd you say that? You know, I had to have that conversation. But anyway, uh, in his book, What Good is God? Philip Yancey writes about being invited to speak at a conference on ministry uh, to women who were in prostitution. After some discussion with his wife, Yancey agreed to accept the invitation as long as he could have the opportunity to question the women and hear their stories. Now, I think for those of us that have been to Rwanda and we've met the ladies that uh, came out of prostitution, we understand the socioeconomic reasons that they were there, not making an excuse for them, but having a better understanding of their situation. At the end of the conference, Yancey had the following conversation with the women. I had time for one more question, he writes. Did you know that Jesus referred to you or to your profession? Let me read you what he said, he tells the ladies. I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. He was speaking to the religious authorities of his day. What do you think Jesus meant? Why did he single out prostitutes? Well, after several minutes of silence, a young woman from Eastern Europe spoke up in her broken English. She said, everyone uh, has someone to look down on, not us. We are at the low. Our family... They feel shame for us. No mother nowhere looks at her little girl and says, Honey, when you grow up, I want you to be a good prostitute. Most places, we are breaking the law. Believe me, we know how people feel about us. People call us names. Whore, slut, hooker, harlot. We feel it, too. We are the bottom. And sometimes when you're at the low, you cry for help. So when Jesus comes, we respond. Maybe Jesus meant that. I think maybe he did. You see, God gives us the invitation. And that invitation goes out to all. We are called. And no matter where we come from, we can be guests of the King. Whether we are on the bottom or not, He invites us. We have to respond. Can you imagine missing out on that? God's invitation to that wedding banquet is there for you. And if you want to experience the feast, a response is required. But I want to remind you, God already knows how we will respond. And this is the part that's hard for us to wrap our heads around. But I, I think we can understand it this way. How many of you dads 
think you know your kids pretty well? How many of you think you know your kids pretty well? Uh, as dads, I think we do. We know what they will do, and we know what they will say in given circumstances. We can sort of uh, prejudge it, what's coming. We know them. We live with them, right? We know how they're going to respond. We know what discipline works for one and what doesn't work. Are you, am I right about that? Because with, if you have more than one child, it's going to require different measures, uh, a multiplicity of measures. Um, we know them. God is our Father, and He knows us. And He has invited all of us to the table. All those who respond are called the elect or the chosen. 1 Peter 1, 1 through 2, we read, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. We also read over in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 29. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called, and those He called, He also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. Now, as children of God, God has called us. Now, the invitation has gone out to all. But some have responded and accepted. And they are called the elect or the chosen. As children of God, when we are accepting his invitation... We are then called to a purpose and a mission. God wants to use us, <coughs> excuse me, as servants to deliver the invitation. If you have responded to God's invitation, if you have accepted that, God calls you to share His invitation with others. Now, now, I want you just for a second to think about what that means. God wants you to deliver the greatest message, message that anybody could ever get. Now, uh, th this would be cool, wouldn't it? If, if, if you were the person that delivered that publisher's clearinghouse check. You know, you went up, knock on the door, they open the door, there's a check for $5 million. I mean, wouldn't that be pretty cool to know? I mean, I, you, to be able to do that for somebody. Wouldn't it be awesome to know that you had delivered a life-changing message to somebody? Or how about a doctor who comes into the waiting room and he delivers the message to the family of the patient and he tells them that the patient has survived. Now, it would be hard to deliver the other message, and I'm sure that you know some of our doctors in the church have had to make that message, but to give people the best news, the news that they had been praying for and hoping for, wouldn't that be a joyful experience, right? 
to, to be able to say, they lived, they survived, they're going to be okay. How, how do you think it would feel for someone to deliver the message to a mother and a father that their lost child has been found alive and well? Think about that. You know, they were thinking the worst. They were sure their child would be another statistic. But the child is found unharmed. It would have been wonderful to be that messenger, right? To be able to go and say, everything's going to be all right. Well, friends, for all of us who have been chosen... For all of us who have accepted the invitation of the King, uh, God has the best purpose ever. We have the chance. We have the, the grace of letting other people know that God loves them, that God has room for them, that God desires to have them on His team, that God wants them to enjoy the wedding banquet of His Son, to experience eternal life with Him. I can't think of a better way to spend my time. I began talking about choosing teams and pick up basketball. I, I didn't really say that at times there might be someone who was unchosen, somebody that might have to sit and wait for the next game. Uh, maybe somebody that was at the end of the line. That person might be seen as undeserving, as untalented, unable to really help their team win. That person, the unchosen person, may sit the bench until a chance comes. Maybe the chance would come if there was an injury, or maybe the chance would come if someone quit. I was thinking about that in relation to this discussion today. Spiritually, the truth is, and we all know this to be true, none of us are deserving. We, we all get that, right? We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one person here, or watching online, who is more deserving than another person. Even if you have more talents and abilities than other people, the truth is we do not measure up. You could say we are all worthy of the unchosen pile. But our wonderful, loving Father has chosen us even with our faults, even with our weaknesses, even with our sins. His invitation has come, signed and sealed in the blood of His Son, Jesus. And either you have already accepted that invitation, or for some unknown reason, you are holding back. I don't know why you would hold back. I don't know why you would reject the invitation. It is your choice. God has made His purpose clear. He wants you on His team. He wants you in His family. He wants you to enjoy the wedding banquet. He wants to be a part of your life. But He's not going to force Himself on you.
You have to make the decision. The question today is, will you respond or will you reject him? Only by responding to God's call can you have an influence to help others have a chance to respond to that invitation. So make your Heavenly Father happy today. It is Father's Day. Respond to His invitation. Father, we come to You so thankful for being our good, loving, caring Father. You are so gracious to us. You offer forgiveness and mercy to us. You invite us to the party even though we are not deserving and even though many times we have rejected You. But I pray, Father, that each person here or watching online will accept that invitation, but also that we would accept the calling to be messengers of the invitation. Father, be with each dad here today. May they have a wonderful and happy Father's Day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.